You're listening to Zap Night, a video game review podcast, with your host Danny and Kaylee. Hey guys, and welcome to Zap Night. I'm your host Danny, and Kaylee is actually out again this month. Hopefully, she'll be returning soon. We got an extra episode um, earlier last month where she came on and did some thrift shop stuff, so you can check that out. Uh, but today we have Evan on the podcast. Hello. So uh, we are reviewing Half Life. What's your experience with Half Life? I I love Half Life. Half Life has been part of my life since I was a kid. It was like one of the first games I really ever like was into um, growing up. I never played Half Life. This was the first time. I've obviously heard about it. It's mm-hmm. fairly popular, and it seems like everybody's itching for a Half-Life 3. That's never going to happen. Yeah. It's like it's probably being developed, but people just want to... Was that Half-Life 2 like the same way, where they were itching for a Half-Life 2, and then it was uh, like it took forever mm, for it to come out? No, it was it was kind of like time when like they were making Half-Life 2, people were still content with like Half-Life and the, uh, the expansion packs and all the mods that came out, so... Oh, when yeah, Half-Life 2 was announced in like 2002, it was like, oh, and Half-Life 1 definitely left on a cliffhanger. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, you could tell that they knew they were planning a, a Half-Life 2. I don't know about Half-Life 2 if it leaves on a cliffhanger or not, but uh, I mean, Half-Life 1 definitely does. Yeah. Does it, does Half-Life 2 seem like that there's an easy like continuation to the story? Well, yeah, especially at the end because you know because the G-Man, he says like, like when your time comes again. And it's, sure. and it's like, oh yeah, it's something going to happen and then of course uh, the episodes come out and Oh, I see. So. Yeah. All right, so um Half-Life 1 the original Half-Life was developed by Valve, and uh, it was originally released on the PC, but then later ported to the PS2, and then ported over and over and over again. The release date that I had was 1998, does that sound about mm-hmm. right? Yep. Um, and that was just on the PC, but then the PS2 version was released in 2001. The PS2 version is kind of awful. It's really just, like, super glitchy. Yeah. And I actually, I played about two, I, I streamed about two hours. When I was playing the on Twitch, like, I would start from the, from wherever I left off, and I would just play and, like, quick save while I'm playing. Oh, yeah. And I quick saved it, and then I tried to continue on, and I died. Well, when I teleported back to my, when I quick loaded, it was, like, in this weird spot where I couldn't move. Uh-huh. And yeah. every time, I, no matter what I did, I resaved it, but I didn't save over my original game save file. But I resaved it, shut down the PlayStation, powered it back up again, and I was still stuck. Mm-hmm. So whatever it was that I did when I saved it, it just screwed up the whole game. So I had to replay those like two or so hours over again just to pick back up to where I left off, which is just a small amount of the glitches in this game. <laughs> Yeah, the PlayStation 2 version was, was kind of rushed because um, it was being made on the same time as the Dreamcast port, which never showed a lot of day. So they kind of rushed it because they wanted a new, they wanted the Half-Life port to come out, you know, as soon as possible. So it was very glitchy. and I'm really surprised that they haven't taken the Half-Life. I was really, when I was looking for this game, I just, it blew my mind that the only console version was the PS2 Otherwise, you play it. You could play it on Steam or hmm. something like that. But it just—it really surprised me. Well, the um, the the engine that 
Half-Life was made in Gold Source. It was around the time of like 2003. It got to the point to where, you know, people were ready for something new because they had gotten Half-Life, the expansions and all the other mods that came out with Half-Life. So um, Valve basically shut down Gold Source, kind of gave it to the mod community so they can, you know, they can make uh, games. Oh, so it's open source now. Yeah, it's open. Oh, you, cool. Anyone can make um, a Gold Source game and they started focusing more on their new uh, source engine. Hmm. So uh, let's let's kind of talk about the story a little bit. Um, so you are Gordon Freeman, and he's this uh, research scientist guy who works in this underground research facility in the deserts of Arizona. Yep. When you start playing, you are heading this experiment that ends up going really bad and opens these dimension portals. Um, where these monsters start flowing through and kind of wreaking havoc on the research facility. You then are instructed to try and make your way to the top level of this underground lab. And from there, you realize that the the military who's been called in is actually there to cover up the whole incident. And they're not only killing the monsters that are flowing through but they're trying to kill all the scientists as well including you you make your way through the lab you make your way through the the military as best you can and you actually end up finding out that the military is just abandoning ship like they are just they're taken off gordon ends up making his way to a a different sort of lab that is specifically testing teleportation dimension like tunnels yeah he opens up a tunnel to the alien dimension and travels over and finds that they have this factory where they're producing enemy soldiers and he goes even deeper and finds this like big main monster is actually uh powering all of the the enemies and I think it's more so powering the teleportation yeah. to be able to go to the human world and, you know, kill people. So he, Gordon, then kills the the boss, the, the, fi- the final the boss, <laughs> and then you're confronted with this G-Man. You catch glimpses of him throughout the game. You see him just a, a step ahead of you. Yeah, he's very ominous, like you would see him. And you, you can try and shoot at him, and you can't hit him, and he's really this mysterious character. And you don't even have any conversation with him until the very end, after, after you beat the game. Mm-hmm. You have this cutscene where he gives you the option to be employed through some unknown group that he doesn't specify, or basically have a a fight to the death not with him but with more aliens so um if you accept then you get you get the credits but then you also get this little um uh, employment hired screen and uh if you choose not to accept where you, you basically just wait for the time limit to end you get teleported to this room full of a bunch of monsters and then they all kill you and then you get the end credits still mm so, does that about sum it up? Did I miss yeah, anything? Yeah, no, that's that's pretty much it. So, to talk about the story a little more, I mean, not, not so much what the story is, but about the story. What I found interesting was the story wasn't told in cutscenes. Mm-hmm. The story was told in random dialogue. 
So as you walked up to like a security officer, he would give you little tidbits that that security officer has heard Mm -hmm. about the military advances or about, you know, what the, some scientists will tell you where they are in certain research of the facility that they're in. And it just kind of pushes the story along without it being interrupting. Yeah, it's it's really hard to if you're if you're not actually like you know you're just trying to run through the game you're never gonna catch a story. It's the thing with Valve they they never take control away from you. It's great to try and get the story figure out for yourself instead of you know waiting to yeah. And that is what's interesting about the story is that it is kind of what you come across. Yeah, it's more realistic. And sometimes I've noticed just the way that I played it by playing certain aspects of it over and over and over again, certain people say different things sometimes. Yeah. And it's like, wait, I didn't get that part of the story the first time I went through this section, but now I'm hearing it. It's it's interesting. Yeah. So it gives you a little bit of replay value if you're interested in the story. Yeah. There was maybe only like two cutscenes. There was the one cutscene where you get captured... And then there's a second cutscene, like at the very end, and that's it. Yeah, like, those are your only cutscenes. Never, you never get cutscenes. Which I thought was a good thing. Mm. I liked that it, the focus was on the gameplay, but the story was there and it was interactive because they want to give you a reason for fighting aliens and right. doing what you're doing. So yeah, I definitely found that an interesting factor. The storyline itself was very included without it being distracting from the game. Yeah. Um, I ended up giving the story an 8 out of 10. What do you think? I, uh, the, I gave the story a 10 out of 10 because, I mean, when I first played Half-Life, I already knew what the story was because I had played Half-Life 2, and they you know, they basically tell you there's this big accident and you were part of it. But when I, you actually play it for yourself, and I, you know, I would talk to all these people and they would tell me the full story, they would tell me things I didn't even know. Because all the time I knew was like, okay, there's accident, there's aliens, blah, well, you, blah, blah. you knew the basic story. Yeah, I knew the basic. Just enough of... to get you through the second game. But... I knew what it was, but when I actually played it, it was more, you know, it was more it was more special, it was more interesting because you'd actually got to be part of the accident, you got to hear what went wrong. Um, I only gave it an 8, only because while the story was told really well, I feel like the... There was a lot of there was a lot of stuff still left unexplained. Yeah. You know, there was like the the crystal at the very beginning that you throw into the portal or that you throw to create this whole mess that starts it. They have no explanation of what yeah. it actually is. It's just it's nothing. It's why am I there? Why am I doing what I'm doing? There's no backstory to to Gordon Freeman himself. Not in the main game, anyway. I'm mm-hmm. sure that there probably is, but I don't hear about it. I don't yeah. know who he is, where he came from, or what I'm doing there. Yeah, um, it, it's they really just throw you in, and they're like, "Okay, here's the situation. There's an accident, and now you got to figure it out." You know, it. Yeah, it, the crystal. The whole thing with the crystal was it's not even in like later games. You don't even figure out what the crystal is. It was just the G-Man brought in this sample to be tested, and you have a physical copy of the PC version where you have like it tells you a little pamphlet. All you really know about him is that he was that he's a theoretical physicist. And that he's a research associate, and that's really pretty much it. Like, no background with military, right. and he's just... Well, and I read somewhere that it was left out that that crystal that you throw in that makes the whole disaster happen was actually one of those crystals that was um, you have to destroy at the very end. Yep. And it was like, I only knew that because I read it. 
Yeah. But when I looked back and I looked over everything, I'm like, oh, well, well, yeah, it kind of is. Why didn't they try harder to make that distinction clearer? Mm-hmm. There's story loopholes, not loopholes, but holes in the yeah. plot that really could have been better explained. So I didn't give it quite a perfect score. An 8 out of 10 was still good because I really did enjoy the mm-hmm. story. It wasn't a bad story. It just it could have been a little better. I gave it a 10 because it's not for really, because I didn't really pay attention to loopholes, mainly because I've played the future game, so I know what happens. Sure. For for the game, you know, by itself, everything is so, like, it makes sense. Like, everything that's happening, it's not like, you know... Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's not like... They made, they made what what story they put in was very clear what you were doing Mm -hmm. and where you were going. You know, just the fact that you knew where you were heading and why you were doing what you were doing, they made that really clear. And I did really appreciate that. With this story, I really love the mystery because it makes you want to think. Kind of like, like your own interpretation kind of mm-hmm. thing. It's like, sure. like oh, like wonder like well, how did Gordon get to this position where he was the one who had to go in? Like, sure. You know, where like where's the G-Man in all of this? It's, you know, who's this mysterious um, a benefactor? Yeah. Um, who's like in the beginning, you know, benefactor who's, unknown. It's like yeah. you don't you don't know. So it's like you can pretty much make up your own imagination, even especially if you haven't played like, you know, Half-Life 2 or the episodes. You know, I, I love that mystery. It makes me feel like, you know, I'm in control of I how like, the story goes. I like the mystery too, but in my opinion, those mysteries are just uh, a way to build more games and have more expansions to it yeah so you know for me it's like ooh, maybe they'll have a game where they explain why the research facility is there to begin with Mm -hmm. oh maybe they'll have a subplot where you know you figure out what the g-man's doing and you know because in this game i don't know about future games but this game you have no idea who this guy is he's just kind of there and he's kind of there at the end like he talks really bizarre, and he's just Mr. like, yes. Freeman. But, I don't know, I, I enjoyed the story. I enjoyed... Mm. That was probably one of the highlights of the game, yeah. um, was, was the story behind it, and that it made it fun. Oh, yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the graphics. Now, this is kind of a funny category for this game, because... I would like to think, I haven't played the original PC version, but the PS2 version seems like kind of raw. It seems like a a PC, the original PC just ported over to the PS2. So the PS2 version is what I'm going off of because that's all I know. That's Mm -hmm. all I've played. And I know that they've made an HD version of it where they've bumped it up. Now, that said, I still really enjoyed the graphics. They weren't overly realistic but they were enough that you really understood what was going on yeah it's it's actually really crazy to think that people who you know pick up half-life one and they're like oh these graphics are cool if you if you actually look at it um the half-life engine is actually a modified version of the the quake engine sure and you know people you know they won't notice this they're like oh you know it kind of looks like like doom or whatever but like the um the original, you know, Gabe Newell and Mike Harrington, they they took the Quake engine and they just they completely they you know redid it. They took it out. They put new codes in and they they polished it. And this is what came out. You told me that before, mm-hmm. and I really noticed that at the towards the end of the game when you go to the alien planet, because Quake is very dark. It's very moody. Yeah, and you really see that in the alien 
universe where everything is really dark, it's really moody, it's really kind of gross and sticky. Yeah. And I feel like that they they showed that off really well. Where in the the first half of the game, it's more industrial and it's, you know, the the labs and the electricity and yeah, something Quake could never like, it's, you know. It's well, it's not like super realistic. Mhm. In terms of textures, oh, yeah. but I think for its time, it's really well done with what they had. Mm-hmm. It really does kind of look like they used old technology and just kind of polished it up. Instead yeah. of making a whole new engine, they used what they had. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that that is part of what they were trying to do was make a game a little bit cheaper, you know, adding adding code to the engines that they were working with yeah. to make it a little bit nicer, but... Um, without putting a ton of cost into a whole new, you know, idea. Mm. The graphics, I thought, were, were fairly well done. I did have a little bit of problem with glitches uh, in the PS2 version. I don't really know if it's like this in the PC version. Just little things where you would get stuck in floors, or you would try and jump through a door and you would get stuck on a pipe that's hanging. Oh, yeah. Or you would, like, ju- there was one spot where I would jump between... A- I was trying to jump past a tank, and I got, like, stuck between the tank and the wall. And I was, yeah. like, st- kind of stuck there. And you could jump, but it just, like, barely. And yeah. then you'd move really slow. And, and as we found out earlier, when a door comes down, you crouch, and then you're stuck. Yeah, yeah, that too. <laughs> so, I mean, there was a lot of weird glitches that had... And, and that might be more gameplay. But, I mean, to me, it kind of falls under graphics as far as interacting with the environment. The environment that they gave you, it was kind of clunky. What version did you play? I played the original PC version with the HD pack. Now, the thing about the HD pack is if you if you home blue shift, it comes with this thing called the HD pack. And the HD pack updates the character models, the weapons, and the graphics. Now, the thing that might surprise you is the HD pack is what the PS2 version is. Really? Yeah, the original Half-Life looks with without the HD pack is it's still very clean. But the character models look much different. The gun models are very different. Instead of like an M16 looking weapon, you have more like a like a MP5 with a silencer. The character models are much more like the face look more droopy. So with the HD pack, it makes the game look like the PS2 version. But the thing is, the HD pack could have never worked on the on the PlayStation 2's system. So when they poured that over, all the all the glitches and the lag is because it's trying to run on this system that's like meant to be mm-hmm. run on a PC. Sure, sure. So yeah, yeah I, but, I totally get that. But and I did notice that a lot. There were some spots when there would be a ton of enemies that are constantly spawning, mm-hmm. and it the game would just slow to a crawl, which is really bizarre for a PS2 game because typically when they make games for home consoles they make them tailored to the built-in specs of that system yeah so to have a game perform so bad on a home system was really bizarre to me but i mean i powered through it it was kind of clunky yeah but yeah i definitely noticed there was a ton of glitches Mm -hmm. overall the graphics for what they were glitches aside were very clean they were very detail-oriented, and that made it a lot of fun to kind of roam around and look at things. Yeah, and if you think about it, 1998, uh, the HD pack you know, didn't exist, so what people had was the original-looking version, and still, you know, it ran clean. I actually I thought about when I played this, I thought I would uninstall the HD pack and play it through originally. Um, but I decided just, eh, just 
you know, because I, I knew the PlayStation 2 had the same graphics, so I figured yeah. I'd just play the same way. So, um, with and without the HD pack, on PC, the game runs very smooth, very clean. There was pretty much no glitches and no frame rate drop. Um, I ended up giving it a 7 out of 10 for graphics. I gave it a 9. You know, at the time, it was like, it's so cool, but I gave it a 9 just because people had seen graphics like this before in games like, like Quake. Of course, all the thousands of mods that came out of Quake. Um, oh, it, it was a very typical polygon yeah. look. Mm-hmm. You know, the the round pipes that you were in were very boxy. Yeah. But again, they did really well with what technology they had at the time. They made everything look really good. I feel like it could have been better. I mean, maybe 1998 or 2001, they may have been able to make it a little bit better. At least a little less glitchy. Oh, yeah. But, I mean... Especially because, you know, in 1998, all they had was the original graphics. Right. And in 2001, with the release of uh, Blue Shift, they it came the out HD. with the HD pack. Yeah. So when the HD pack came out, people were like, oh, like this, oh it's like, it looks, you know, it looks better. It looks, um, you know, cooler. But, of course, in 1998, no one was thinking, oh, this looks crappy. Like, oh, wow, this looks, it's like Quake, only it's better. It's right. cooler. <laughs> like, yeah. it's- Let's talk a little bit about the monster designs. Oh, um, <laughs> Yeah. I wasn't... A huge fan of the monster designs in general. Mm-hmm. While they looked very interesting, just their designs were really weird. I mean, not not so much like their physical appearance, just uh-huh. like the way that some of them were hunched over, like the the crab head guys. Oh yeah, the head crab. Yeah, they're so <laughs> they're so bad. It's like- I mean, they're they're interesting to look at, mm-hmm. but I mean, after that. The head crabs, they don't really change really throughout any of the Half Life games. They look, they get more detailed, like in Half Life 2, like they put blood like on the legs or yeah, whatever. Yeah. But the Vortigons, I like the Vortigons. Those are the ones that, you know, they, they pop up and they shoot the lightning at you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Those, I like those because um, they have, you know, they have the one eye, they can shoot lightning. They talk this weird language. Yeah, I And it's really that. interesting. And what's really interesting about that is that language is, is just people talking the mics and then they reverse it. Yeah. And that's really cool. Like, and, but it, like, and they, they deepen it down. It just sounds really cool. Yeah. I love the Vortigons. I mean, they're they're horrible to fight against, but it, <laughs> they're fun. There was there was a lot of really interesting enemies. Well, and then you had the military too that had just a different style to them. I really thought that the ninja guys or girls or something they kind of uh, look yeah. like they might be girls. The fe- yeah, the female assassins. Yep, they are so bad. I mean, that's that's more yeah. gameplay as far as their difficulty. Mm-hmm. But I mean, their their style is smart in you know the all black. The, you know they look very ninja y, mm-hmm. but they also almost look like they're in rubber suits. Yeah, it's like it's like skin like tight black suits, and like if you play like you know PC version, they have like a little red like bandana around their head. And oh, do they? Well, yeah. that makes them a little bit easier to they see. Have, like, yeah, they have, like little silence pistols and it's like cool i mean (laughs) the soldiers just to me look look better than the female assassins because they like they have the typical camo they have the gas masks yeah um, they have the helmets um no typical army guys and they look pretty cool i just like some of them look more special like army people like the female assassin i just didn't like i think the coolest looking guy was probably the bee guy and when he first show up the guy that shoots the bees at you know what i'm talking about bees Oh, the, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Um, and they shoot the bees at you. Yeah, now, yeah. If any of you don't know, I have a, I have the Half-Life 2 Raising the Bar book. It goes over the detailing of the first two games, all of its mods. And 
Yeah, these guys. Yeah, these, those guys. The alien, they look cool. Alien grunts. Yeah, those are cool. But they're like they're statuing, and you never know because they don't just they're pop huge. up at you. Yeah, it's like they're what? so big, and they the bees were super annoying, but. The way that when they shot and they like flew through the air like zigzag, yeah, that detail was awesome. I loved the idea. I hated those guys because they were super hard. Oh yeah, but I mean, they just they looked huge. They looked really intimidating. There was one time that uh, I was walking on a platform. And one of them spawned right in front of me and then dropped on the platform and fell through the floor. And I'm like, that legitimately scared me. Yeah. Those things, those things, like, you don't see them. Those things will just spawn out and run out of the hallway. And they run fast. Yeah. They're in these eggs things. And with, you know, you walk up to it and you never played the game before and you think, oh, if I break this egg, I can get through this doorway. Bam. This thing just comes at you. You're like, what do you do? And you die. And it's like, you don't know what to do. I, I, I was not breaking those eggs at all, and I had no idea that those were in there. Mm-hmm. And I was walking through, uh, there was like this narrow passage in the alien world yeah. where there's a bunch of little eggs along the along this like hallway, and there's a whole bunch of those lightning guys that are in there. Yeah. And I'm shooting all the lightning guys, and all of a sudden there's one of those there. And I'm like, what the heck? Where's this? And you then can't I, change the I, ended up, I ended up dying, and then I went back, and I was going through that hall again, and he wasn't there. And I'm like, mm-hmm. what is going on? Well, then later, I'm in one of those big arenas in in the alien world the, where you got to make your way up the, yeah, the, the ladders or yeah, the elevators the or whatever. Things. And um, there's those flying guys that shot the fireballs at you. Oh, and they were things, they man. were hitting the eggs, and one of them broke open, and that guy came flying out. And I'm like, oh, like that's where those guys were coming from. I'm like, man, I'm glad I wasn't attacking them all. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's even worse if you like if you're stuck with like a pistol or a shotgun. Those things are take forever. Especially once you get into Zen, you need to conserve like your Tau cannon ammo because that thing will. I rarely used it. Well, okay, yeah. let's let's go into gameplay. Yeah, since we're already talking about yeah, gameplay, we're this, this, is, this is gonna be the like biggest section. Oh, it yeah, usually this, is. It'll take forever. Gameplay again, glitches aside, the ammo was really hard to find. Mm-hmm. I thought. Yeah. Um. However, there was a bunch of guns that I had that I just like never used. The laser explosives. I don't know all the technical terms, so forgive me. But um, the like laser explosives that you could like mount on the walls. Yeah, like the trip mine thing. I loved the the concept of it, but they weren't logical to actually use anywhere. And half the times, the the guys would just like go through them anyway and yeah. not set them off. Mm-hmm. It was so, it was they were useless. There were so many guns. That's the thing with Valve. They either give you too much or too little. Yeah. And with this game, it's too much. You have like three different kind of grenades. You have like four pistols, and it's. You know, half stuff you're having to use, like the trip mine, it, it's cool. Like, it's different when you're, like, you're going up against them, like, you have to dodge them. Yeah. But it's just, it's just not really fun to use when you're, you know, you have them. What was really cool was the, the Hornet gun. Yeah, they, uh... I loved that. I thought it was so cool. And the, the graphic for it, too, is, like, this weird alien arm that's, like, pulsating. And, oh, it was just, it was creepy and it was awesome. Yeah, and it's... the bees are, it's such a weird concept of your ammo is bees. Like, yeah, it's just, hearts. it's so weird. <laughs> it's such a weird concept. It was, it made it super neat because they would almost like hunt you down when you shot them. They would like 
go out and actually hunt you down. Mm. It didn't do a whole lot of damage, so when you were shooting somebody with that gun, you would have to fire a ton of them out. Yeah. I don't ever remember even collecting ammo for that thing. It was like I picked it up one time, and I'm like, dude, this is awesome, and I shot it off, and I, like, never used it again. Yeah, I, when I played, I know all these weapons, but I never really used, you know, like, the alien, like, this hornet gun. Or, like, this, like, the explosive, like, little backpack thing you can throw. Oh, never yeah. Use that. I need to never use that either because it's, like, you have to set it off by yourself. And it's, like, it's kind of weird timing. I'd rather just throw a grenade because I know it's going to go off in yeah. three seconds. Everything had a different purpose. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the little remote packs I liked because I could... You can cast the traps. Right, yeah. yeah, and that's that's the idea. So you know when you're quick saving and quick loading over and over and over again, mm-hmm. you start to realize, okay, well, there's an enemy always around this corner. So if I throw a little backpack over here and I run away, I can kill him and then quick save it again. Yeah, It's strategic that way. However, I hate the fact that I had to do that. Trial by error concept was really frustrating. Mm-hmm. It was like I would make... A very small amount of progress, and then I would die, and I have to do it over again. Mm-hmm. So it was like I would make, you know, four steps forward, and then two steps back, and then three steps forward, and one step back, and it was like this constant struggle of trying to move forward. Uh-huh. I think probably if I were to play it a second time, I would go through it significantly faster. But um, just the whole like tr- playing it trial by error, it just it made it. It made it very slow. Yeah, first time I ever played it, it was it was hard, man, because I didn't know any of these new creatures that I was fighting. I didn't know any of these weapons I was using. I didn't know any of these locations. So I started playing over and over and over again. Yeah. And now it got to the point where I can basically just run through this game and it's like, hey. Yeah, no I, big deal. Yeah, sure. What I did like about it was the progression. The difficulty progression was very steady. You start off and everything's fairly easy and simple, and then as you progress, you get more weapons and you get more uh, enemies that are doing different things. The tanks were a pain in the butt. Oh god! Um, the the there was a few spots where um, enemies just kept like spawning in. Oh yeah. Where you would have to like sit and like kept keep firing them. They would give you like a little machine gun, like a mounted machine gun to fight with. Mm. And that was clunky to try and use. I was better off just stocking up revolver ammo and just walking up and shooting them point blank. It was a lot faster. What weapons did you use the most? Well, for the first part of the game, I pretty much used the pistol for pistol and crowbar for head crabs, the shotgun for vortigons and uh, the bull squids, and then the machine gun for the um, HECU soldiers and the hound eyes. Um, towards once I got the Tau cannon, I pretty much just used that and I kept recharging it. Um, I probably should have told you this when you were playing, but <laughs> if you use a Tau cannon, if you shoot it and then you hold the secondary fire, you will spin it and it will recharge about 10% of your I ammo. I didn't know that. So what I would do is I would use that. And that's how I pretty much got through Zen was I would just, especially those, the alien grunt things, those big things. Yeah. yeah. Shoot it twice. It's dead. Yeah. And that's what I used against the final boss. It just, you jump up and just... yeah, that's. So the final boss, he was a really interesting fight. Like, you first had to destroy the crystals along the top rim. Mm. And once you did that, then you could actually attempt to kill him. The biggest problem, the biggest annoying problem with this guy was he would shoot these teleporting orbs at you that would teleport you to a different section of the arena. Yeah. 
And it was so annoying. Like, I, I ended up just quick saving. And when I made a little bit of progress, I would quick save again. And then I'd make a little more progress and quick save again. But in the meantime, every time I got teleported somewhere, I would just load it back up. Because yeah. there was no point in going through that. Yeah, it's annoying. It's And it's after horrible. you've gone through it three times, they keep he keeps sending you to that same room with, like, water. Yeah. And then they, the second time you go into that room uh, with the water, there's the big, huge guy that shoots the fire at you. Yeah, yeah. The and he would destroy me every time I went into that room. So there's no point in going in that room. I may as well just save it, quick save it, and avoid the teleportation orbs. Yeah. And, you know, just try and make a little more progress. I flung up a few times. All I had left was a little bit of revolver ammo and the two different guns that took the like battery packs. Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh I ended up using up all my revolver ammo. I had like 25 for health. I felt like the final boss guy, he was just shooting like one little orb at me mm-hmm. and he wasn't even sending out the teleporting things anymore. So I'm like, okay, he's got to be almost dead. Right. So I quick saved it with only 25 health. And I ended up jumping up, and I hit just the right little jumpy platform and managed to get above him, and I blast him away with the big charging one. Yeah. And that finally did it. And it took me, like, maybe an hour or more, an hour and a half, to actually (laughs) beat him alone. Oh, yeah. Just because he kept teleporting me. Yeah. There was no point. It's, yeah, it's it's a pain. With me, since I had conserved, I used a Talcan... Basically, what I did, I would just I got into the arena. I would just start firing, recharging, fly up, keep shooting, recharging. Yeah. I had him beat within twenty minutes. Must have been nice. Oh yeah, it was Man, very nice. I had a lot of trial and error with the final boss as well. Yeah, I mean, I didn't know certain jumpy platforms only sent you so high, mm-hmm. so it was like I had to figure out which one was the right platform to yeah. use to actually get above him fast enough so he didn't fly up with you. Yeah. And then it was like, how do I dodge the teleporting orbs? And how do I dodge the little laser orbs that he shot? And it's like, all these little things just added up. And I spent so much time so frustrated. By the time I was done with this game, I was happy. I was so happy to just have it done because I was tired of it. (laughs) I was, when I beat it, I was sad. I was like, oh man. And they didn't give you like a, they had the end credits, but it never really said the end. It was just a, it was just half-life. And then, and then you went back to the main menu and that was it. It was, that was very, I really loved the puzzles. This game, while it's a shooter game, it was also sub focused on the puzzles and I loved that. I loved, you know, trying to figure out what I'm doing to progress. Like, you would have to run over here and activate this switch. And then you have to run over here and dislodge gears so that you could activate this switch. Yeah. And all these switches that you've activated allows you to go up an elevator or something. Yeah. And I really liked that concept. It, again, made it very frustrating when you're trying to just get from point A to point B However, I just, I like having to think about it and mm-hmm. figure out where I'm supposed to go. It kind of slows you down, like, especially, yeah, oh yeah, and, it's not, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. For me, it was like, when I first played this game ever, I would get super frustrated because I just wanted to get, I just wanted to keep going, I just wanted to keep going, and then I'd get frustrated with puzzles, but then I would stop, I'd take a breath, I'd be like, okay, this is good, it allows me to, you know, 
be alive longer, lets me think. Right. It was made me look around more. I'd get some more health, get some more ammo, and then I would solve the puzzle, and then I'd keep going. So that, that's what that's what the puzzles like. You know, puzzles. I love the puzzles, not just because you know it was like it made you think, just because it gave you kind of a break from all the the shooting and yeah, the action. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. And there were a lot of areas where they just wouldn't have any enemies. Mm-hmm. There was no enemies. You just had to figure out a puzzle, and once you figured out the puzzle, then you can move on. Yeah. But this wasn't your first time through. Right. No, this is probably like my eighth. So you, you probably didn't get too lost when you were playing. Mm-hmm. I got lost all the time. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's... I'm sure it was very frustrating watching me play and knowing, like, dude, just... just If you were to just do there this... Was, there, was, there was some moments early on, especially when... It was nice because I thought about, like, you know, I was the exact same way when I first played. It was it was kind of nice that because it was like oh wow he doesn't know how to play it was like wow this is like you know this is this, I did this too like I, everyone else who played this game this is this is the same way the first thing they played yeah too. I was blindly just playing yeah the blast pit I got really really <laughs> stuck I spent I think I have a stream somewhere of like an hour easy of me just running around saying i have no idea what to do i have no idea what to do and just over and over again i'm running from area to area saying i have no idea what am i missing nothing's yeah. working and that's because blast pit is so confusing because it's just two rooms and a conveyor belt you had to turn on a fan mm-hmm. and i turned on the fan and then i just like left yeah and I knew that I turned on the fan, but I didn't really know why, because it was saying, like, you had to have oxygen, you had to have fuel, and then you had to have power. Yep. And I had the oxygen, I the fan was turned on, so I knew, I thought I had oxygen. Mm-hmm. I had activated the fuel pumps, so I knew that the fuel was running, and I turned on the power. And it was like, it was still not working right. Yeah. So I'm like, there was an area down there by the fan, and I'm like, I've got to be missing something here. And so I finally, like, threw a grenade into the fan thinking something would happen. Mm -hmm. Well, instead of it flying down into the fan, it flew up. And I'm like, what? Like, all this time I could have been flying up there and here I'm being all careful around the fan. (laughs) And so I went up and there was a whole other section up there where Mm -hmm. I could actually activate the oxygen system. Mm -hmm. And then I was able to activate the blast pit. Yeah, it's, it's really... You know, first time playing it, especially your first, the first thing you got to do is you got to get past the stupid tentacle thing. Yeah. And then it's like, you turn on the fan. It's like, yeah, now what? Yeah. Now, now what do we do? <laughs> but I, th- that was just the, the biggest one that I was completely lost. Mm. But there was a few times that it was just like, I was running around like a chicken with its head cut off. Like, I have no idea where I'm going. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know why I'm even here. Mm. And then you would make it to the next section, and it's like, oh, so, you know, I was turning on all this stuff so that I can activate, you know, the the trolley system or whatever. Yeah. So, I mean, it was very challenging sometimes. There were other times that I was just, like, flying through chapter to chapter and Mm -hmm. just conquering them. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I thought that the difficulty progression was very stable but i guess kind of thinking back there were some spots that were way more difficult than others Mm. obviously the last section the last like chapter was way more difficult than it probably should have been oh yeah but um i mean i get it to an extent how did you feel about the gonarch how how was fighting that thing for you because i know when i first fought it it was like okay why is this a thing why do I, why is, why is it this big? Why does it have a 20, you know, feet, like, testicle underneath it? It's like, okay, whatever. I figured it was just, like, a 
mother head crab. Yeah. And <laughs> that's that's what I just assumed because it was shooting out these like little babies that were killing me. Mm-hmm. I spent a lot of time dying during that fight. And then um, I was able to find these small little areas where the little baby head crabs couldn't get me. And the only way the, I don't know, what is it called? The uh, gonarch. Go, gonarch? Gonarch. It's, it's actually like gonads. Of, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, because I think the original idea came from a developer saying, you know, what if you put a 20, you take a 20 foot armored spider and, you know, you, uh, you know, you put a, you know, you put a testicle on it. So, you know, gonads <laughs> and uh, monarch. Uh, so gonarch. And it's like, oh, that's cool. But at the same time, you still hate it because it's it's big, it's me, it's scary looking, and me with my fear of spiders. You know, I don't want to get near <laughs> the thing. And when it runs towards you, what are you gonna think? Well, it it didn't bother me too much. Uh, I like I said, I spent a lot of time dying. Yeah. But then I was able to find these like s- special little spots where I couldn't get attacked, mm-hmm. so I was able to just unload ammo on it. <laughs> and then, uh, like the first arena. I went up like there was a there was a mountain you could climb up on mm-hmm. and then I was safe up there then the second arena you go down into the pit and when you go down there's this like spot where you can propel yourself up and you can land on this little ledge that yeah. sometimes sometimes yeah. it could shoot you with the like acid spit thing yep. and sometimes it couldn't mm-hmm. so i would just kind of like quick save it when i got a healthy amount of shots in and then if i died cuz it would like one hit kill me sometimes uh-huh. and other times it wouldn't kill me at all so mm-hmm. it was like i would just quick save and keep trying and trying and trying until eventually <laughs> it died oh man and the last section where you go down, it goes down to this like little tunnel and you go down into like a pit with it. I kept trying until I eventually got it. I yeah. mean, it was frustrating, but eventually I did manage to get all the way through it and kill it. Yeah, it was for me, I think for this for this specific run, I knew, you know, what I was doing more cuz I knew I just took out the rocket launcher. I just kept blasting it. Wouldn't let it run away. You know, you shoot a couple times, it'll run into a new section and you have to follow it. But if you right. can if you can if you can get it like right right there with the rock launcher, it it like staggers it. And then you just keep you just keep I going never going had going. that I never had that happen. Really? Yeah. Did you, did you I I spent I like completely wasted my ammo on the <laughs> rocket launcher and it did nothing. Really? So I ended up like I said I was able to find that hill up up top mm-hmm. and I was shooting it from the top and eventually it just ran down into the yeah. next section. And it was like, yeah, I was trying grenades and grenades were too slow. So then I was trying to I like laid out a whole bunch of the remote packs. Mhm. I just, like, detonated them all at once. That didn't really seem to do much. It killed all the little babies, which were killing me like crazy. Oh, yeah, those things were... Between um, the shotgun and the, like, little bombs that you can throw out with the uh, machine gun, you know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about? Yeah. Those were, like, the only way that I was able to even hurt it. And even then, it was it took forever. Yeah. And I'm I'm still wondering if it's the PS2 just being glitchy. It might. I mean... It was like I said. It was a really rushed port. There was it was anything. It was really bug tested that much either. So. You should have seen. You'll have to go back and watch somewhere where I'm swimming through the water with those water guys because <laughs> it's so bad. He would like 
he that enemy was just a glitch mess mm-hmm. because when he would show up he would like make that rrrr noise yes. and he would just he would just like keep he would like teleport kind of like he he was so glitchy that he wouldn't swim around mm-hmm. he would just like go rrrr and then like teleport to one side or the other of me and i could just sit there and like shoot him and he was no big deal (laughs) it was really it was so (laughs) weird it was so glitchy yeah uh especially the first time that i saw him when you are getting the that weapon that was in that cage and then the cage would fall down i fell into the water and i would shoot it a couple times but he was doing this weird like glitchy moving around thing yeah and so i ended up just getting a pistol and i backed myself into a corner and i just kept shooting at it and eventually it died but yeah i mean there was there was a ton of glitches in this game i was really it made it challenging on top of the challenge you know it's you know if you think about it the playstation 2 port of half-life could probably on its own just be a thrift shop game it was bad it was bad now if you're playing the pc version oh it's like it's like oh this is the greatest game ever made but if you're playing the ps2 version I know this. A lot of people know this. It's just not, you know, what people <laughs> want it to be. And it even says, like, incredible, like, action. It's like, well, if you can actually see the action. I also had a lot of problems in the beginning because I didn't know that I could hook up the mouse. So yeah. I was using just the keyboard. Yeah. And the keyboard is a mess. Mm-hmm. You would aim at a guy and it would be just slightly to the left. So you would hit the the left key to go to the left a little bit, and it would go too much. So then you go back right, and then you go back left, and then you go yep. back right, and eventually you'd center up on it. But man, I spent so much time just trying to aim, like the first half of the game. And then you told me uh, when we got together not too long ago that I could try and hook up a wired mouse. Yeah, I did that, and it worked great. And I'm like, yes, well, finally, I'm I- able to do something. I had the only reason I found out that you could use that was because on the Half Life Wikipedia page it says, oh, the PS2 version was made 2001, like, and can be played with. A keyboard and mouse. So I was like, no. And I put it like, oh, snap. And I made a video about it, too. I'm like, I didn't even know the PS2 could do this. And I, so- I knew the PS2, I, I knew that I could use the, the keyboard. Mm-hmm. But my keyboard is wireless. Yeah. So I'm like, well, obviously the wireless stuff works. So then when I plugged in a wireless mouse and it didn't work, I just assumed that mice didn't work on the thing. Mm-hmm. So then when he told me to try a wired mouse, I hunted down a wired mouse and finally it worked. And it made the game a million times easier. Yeah. I don't think I could have beaten this game with just the keyboard. I there, oh, yeah. there would have been no impossible. way. Especially with the last, you know, final boss, you have to be, you know, you have to be, you know, spinning quick. You gotta, you know, especially when you're fighting the gargantuas, and you gotta, you gotta be able to quick. aim fast. Mm-hmm. And the lock-on mechanism in the game is functional, but without a mouse, it just. Yeah, it didn't really help there. much. Like yeah. you could do it, but it was clunky at best. See, I wasn't used to playing Half Life with a with a keyboard and mouse, especially on the PC version. But I wanted to play the PC version just because. So when I first started playing the first chapter, I started going like, "Okay, this feels good." So I tried with a PS4 controller because I have uh, the PS4 thing, and I started playing. I'm like, just doesn't like feel right. So I went back to keyboard and mouse, and I played the rest of it, and I really like it now. Yeah, because I can play Half Life too with a keyboard and mouse, but I don't know. Half Life just—it felt more weird. The you know now I'm used to it, of course. But right, yeah. at the beginning, of it, I don't know. It felt weird. So what did you give for gameplay? I gave it an eight. Really? Yeah. It was because you know all I had known 
you know, for the most part of my life is Half-Life 2 and Source. So, you know, and I love these, I love the gameplay. The gameplay is great. There was just some things about it that was, you know, it was hard to think, like, this is where Half-Life got its start. Um, but, I mean, for the I, mo- I it gave was, it a 9 out of 10. Yeah. I thought that it was, I, I don't know, I just, I really liked the, the puzzle mechanism was really great. And, um... While the PS2 version is super clunky, I understood that it was just a clunky PS2 port. Yeah. And so, I mean, I, I put that aside, and I looked at the game as a whole, and I really felt like that the gameplay was was very well done mm-hmm. and very well thought out. I loved the, all the different weapons. I loved the uniqueness of some of the weapons. Yeah. And it just, I don't know, I... I while I had a lot of fun playing the game and it was very challenging at times, <laughs> I still the gameplay really was the highlight of the entire thing. So I, I gave it a nine. Out of 10. I love no. Don't get me wrong, but people who are probably going to get mad an eight. Yeah, no. I love this game. This game is great. The only things I had problem with is some of the puzzles that were harder to find. Where instead of you know giving this, you had to go upstairs, go downstairs, find the middle floor, go back upstairs, right. downstairs. <laughs> that was some of the stuff a lot I kind of it. I don't want people to get mad at me for, for this. It's your opinion. You're welcome to have it. So let's let's go ahead and move on to music. The music section not only is the music itself, but mm. the the sounds in the game, um, like enemy sounds mm-hmm. or you know whatever else. And um, I'm just gonna say, I I see you excited. I'm just gonna say it right out of the bat. I only gave it a four. Oh yeah! Right oh, out of the game, no. I'm, I only gave it a four. No. Okay, so here's here's <laughs> my problem, and it could just be the PS2 port, mm-hmm. so it may not be a, a fair score because of the version that I played. Mm-hmm. However, there wasn't any music in it. There was very, very, very little yeah, music. In it's it. the PC version. It's there. It's you know, it's nice. You hear it. You, it helps you. It, it gets you excited. And what music was there was great. Yeah. And every time it would play, I'm like, yeah, I'm pumped and I'm ready to do this. Mm-hmm. And yeah, this is awesome. But 90% of the game was no music. Mm-hmm. No music. Um, the sounds and the enemies were really cool. Like we were saying, some of the like the, the backwards talking sort of yeah. thing. And the um, the military had the like radios where they're like, keep moving forward and yeah. it was really like robotic and Forget weird about Freeman. Yeah, yeah, yeah and it's just it was weird but it, it just i don't know i i enjoyed that part of it it was too i quiet. was i was really annoyed that they had awesome music and it was never used yeah and it just it drove me crazy mm-hmm. <laughs> to just be walking around this place and all you can hear is the echo of my footsteps and yeah. that's it i love the soundtrack for this game it's great. The opening, the opening things, the the music in this game are very uh, electronic, yeah. and you know when something exciting, it's very upbeat. It makes you pumped, and when things are kind of like more scary, kind of more downbeat, yeah. music is quieter. Like it's you know it's slower, and it really works to the effect of what's going on in the game. Absolutely, and it's so good. So I had I had to give the music a ten. <laughs> it's so good. This is the I, I I said this earlier. This is the best soundtrack for a game. The second best I've ever heard. The first being, don't get mad at me, Sonic 06. <laughs> Bad game, great music. I think, th- and that's the number one reason why I docked it so low. Mm-hmm. Because the music that was there was awesome and they never used it. Mm-hmm. And again, it's probably just the PS2 port. I completely accept that. However, that was the version that I played and that was my experience. And my experience was a four for music and Indeed. sound. 
it had a lot of things going for it. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was there was times you would get outside for the first time, and it mm-hmm. would be like this kind of airy sounding music yeah and it was like oh yeah this is awesome i'm outside it's like you know there's there's it's probably mu- enemies yeah. out here it's like music that gives you like a sense of relief because you finally you get yeah, out exactly but at the same time it's like it's like okay but you're not out of the woods yet and like, it's like it's like they played the track like once through maybe mm-hmm. and then it was it and then yeah. i didn't never heard it again yeah most of the songs in this they would play it to its full entirety when the section came up but then you would like you'd hear glimpses of it when the situation somewhat came back up. Right. And it was really it was really nice because like you love the song and then you hear like your favorite part come back and it's like I'm ready to keep okay. going. So that said, don't get me wrong, because most games that they have a sense of put you in a mood by having silence put in mm-hmm. is perfectly fine. I'm not saying that the silence is a negative thing. But in this game, it was just too much of it. Yeah. Again, 90% of the game, I just played, and all you can hear is my footsteps going, that's that's all you get. In the PS2 version, the most music you can hear is the main menu theme, which is a repeated track that's very annoying. I know. It's, I liked it only because when I had my uh, when I was setting stuff up for the stream, I would start up the game and put my uh, my screen as to starting soon, you know, yeah. and I could just have that music playing, and it mm-hmm. was something, you know, just it was, it was whatever, yeah, just like basic, mm-hmm. kind of like elevator music, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was there, it had potential, it just didn't deliver, so I oh. give it a four. Yeah. So let's talk about our overall. Um, now, overall, uh, again, is more of your overall experience of playing the game. Right. And for me, I gave it a 7. I thought it was a fun game. Um, it was challenging at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of it was just a learning curve at the beginning, trying to understand the controls, understanding mm-hmm. that I needed a wired mouse. Then it kind of got to, it was a little more repetitive than I wanted it to be. With the, like, quick save feature, which was great, but it just, it made certain areas repeat over and over and over mm-hmm. and over and over again. Yeah. It probably would have gotten a higher score uh, for overall if there wasn't as many glitches. Again, the stinking PS2 version, that, that's a bad choice on my part. Yeah. But again, that's my experience with this mm-hmm. game. And I mean... It, it is what it is. I That's the version that I played, and this this was my experience, and I was able to get the story in. I was able to get the gameplay in. I think if I were to pick up a PC version of it and try and play it through, I probably would have a little bit more fun, yeah. and I would understand why you love this game so much. Oh, yeah. Um, but for me, it was just kind of, mm. eh. It was, it was good. It was fun. I had a good time. Yeah. But I'm glad it's done. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, all you can say at the end of the day is, if you're going to, if I'm on Half-Life, it's ten. It's ten dollars on Steam. Yeah, that's all I'm gonna say. Yeah, I should have. I should have done the PC version, but yeah. it's all right. So I gave uh, overall score seven out of ten. Yeah. If I didn't say it already, I gave a nine out of ten. I I love this game. It's probably one of the you know more better looking games I've played. Of course, you know Half Life Two with its engine, but this game it, it's fun. It's challenging when it needs to be challenging. It the puzzles are great. The music is great. You know the characters. Thing about, okay, so the thing about the characters uh, I kind of wanted to go into when we were talking about um, gameplay. Mm-hmm. The characters that you see in Half-Life, there's there's so many. The scientists all look the same. The security guards all look the same. It's not until Half-Life 2 when there's actually, you get specific characters. Yeah. When I think of characters in Half-Life, I think of Gordon Freeman, 
G-Man, and that's really it just for Half-Life. I mean, you get introduced to, like, some others in the expansions, but just for the for this game, it's all you really know is just Gordon and the G-Man. And yeah. So, you know, the, the characters, uh, they, they probably could have added some characters that you see in Half-Life 2, like Eli or Dr. Kleiner. For Gordon, I love Gordon's character. I love the silent protagonist. He's just, it just makes him much more cooler. It just, you know... The guy who knows what he's doing, but it doesn't talk. Is there a talk. chance for you to actually see him in-game? Nope. The thing with Valve is you never you never show Goron in-game. The most you'll see is cover art. You can see his character model if you play, like, Gmod or whatever. Well, and when you play the two on, or the head-to-head. Yeah, when you, you play the head-to-head. Head. Yeah, but, like, in story mode in-game, you never you never yeah. show Goron Freeman. And I thought it was funny because there was a couple spots where they had mirrors, and it's like they could mm-hmm. have had a reflection in there. It wouldn't have been yeah. that difficult, but mm-hmm. nope, you couldn't. Yeah, no Goron Freeman. I kind of like that about him. Not, not that you can't see his face, just, you know, how, like, secretive he is. It's like, he knows what he's doing, and everyone else knows what he's doing, and he doesn't need to express it in, you know, words. He expresses it in his actions. Yeah, sure. Um, especially with, especially in this game, when he makes his way to the Lambda Complex to go to Zen, uh, or when, like, in the beginning of the game, when um, he, you know, you're doing the whole experiment. Um, his character is just, you know, it's like he's influential, but he doesn't talk. Yeah. So how does that work, right? I think it's it's the way that the other characters like look to him, talk talk to him, and they definitely have a oh you know it's it's Gordon, Gordon. he's here you know yeah. sort of thing, and I've been waiting for you and definitely Gordon raising Freeman. the bar for him as a significant character. It's a very interesting way of telling a story. Mm-hmm. Again, without the cutscenes too, it's it's a very interesting way of telling a story. Mm-hmm. Any anything else that you want to talk about? Oh yeah, I have tons, I have, tons. I have tons. Let's go, let's now, go. Let's, okay, so throw it on first, the table. first thing I want to say about Half Life, this these two games, you know, one and two. Of course, from about one here. There's so much that was taken out, but um, you know, people can still find. In 1997, after they, you know, they're like halfway through, you know, kind of finished product, they decided to start from scratch and start over again because the game still looked like Quake. But uh, they had these discs that they would give to uh, beta testers and uh, gaming magazines. Well, in 2012, one of these discs came up on eBay and someone had bought it for like $700 and they took all the assets and they put it on Reddit. So anyone could download these. And in the files, there were... There was, you know, like websites to links that were dead. There was interviews. There was promotion oh. videos, but there was an actual playable game, and it looked very, you know, quakeish. Um, but there was so much difference. Like in the beginning of the game, uh, you know, you work your way to the uh, to the experiment, and then the you know it happens and everything else. Right. In the beginning of the original story, the uh, the resonance cascade was implied. Like, you basically started off, you were already in the thing, everything had already gone wrong, and you were basically next to the scientist freaking out, you already had a pistol, and then you just start playing, and, and I've, I've played it, I've played the leaked alpha, and there's so much stuff that was cut, for instance, there was like, there's five enemies that aren't even in the game anymore, um, there's, except for one, there's this little thing called the chum toad, and if you ever play blue shift or opposing force, you can find them, there's this, uh, one alien called the kingpin, and the kingpin um, basically was this like slug that had these two claw thingies, mm. and um, it would kind of attack you like that. Actually, it's really interesting to look at the game. A lot of the monsters were inspired by Stephen King's The Mist. You look at all these monsters, and it's like, oh, like oh, I've seen this like kind of like in The Mist. And there's just so much that's cut out that you would, you know, you look at it, it's like, oh, you know, that'd be kind of cool if it was in the game. 
And See, and that's that's what I had a problem with this game. You kind of notice some of those things that have been cut. And that's that's what that's why I gave it a lower score on story too, because you could see that you know it was missing, um, it was missing some of the stuff that you know had they added it in, it would have made it so much more of a full game. Right, and you know I look at the the leaked alpha version and I look at the how what the score would have been, and it's like one of those things where it's like it's not like the grass is always greener kind of thing where it's like you look at story like oh that'd been really cool better than what we actually got yeah but if we got the alpha and now what we got we'd be looking at the same way right yeah but yeah there was so much cut out not just in valve's beginning they were making two games they were making one game prospero and half-life and prospero was going to be this like this cool like story adventure game which eventually became an mmo but then they decided to kind of junk prospero just to work solely on half-life a lot of the artwork that they took from prospero became half-life Beginning Half-Life wasn't even in the Black Mesa research facility. It was in like this bunker. You were like this military personnel in a bunker and you were doing an experiment. Mm. Something just went wrong. It's weird. Yeah, and it's it's really weird to think like that's what it was going to come to. Like it, you know, you went from this military just straight military game right. to this scientific, you know, game that turned out to be Half-Life. Um and you know, you look through the files of just the finished game and through the leaked alpha disc you see all these cut characters like the Kingpin, Muddy, Fastwalker, um, and then what Gordon Freeman was supposed to be, which was this bigger dude with this big old beard, and his name was Ivan the Space Biker. He was hard to look at. Like it's then there was a bunch of cut chapters that actually they were two separate chapters and they become one like Office Complex. That was originally two chapters: Security Complex and what would be um, like Outdoor Intervention, which would have mm-hmm. been you go from Security Complex. Um, which was all the security personnel, their bunks, their game, like their guns, and then you go outside to the outdoor intervention, and it was like um, the scientists would go take their breaks, mm, and that's where yeah. you'd fight. And eventually, it just became the office complex, where it was the scientists, you know, their office places, and then their um, like their little break their like room, break room, yeah, yeah, the break room. This game, it's amazing to see how much was cut out. It is really neat to be able to have proof of that, you know, some mm. of that concept and be able to see the evolution of a game, yeah, you yeah. know, from the beginning. It's that's really interesting. You know, it's just crazy to think what Half-Life did. It was just it was just a simple little project by two ex, you know, Microsoft right, workers yeah. and it became this big success, one over like 50 or so game of the year awards. Yep, yep. It had two expansions that did very well. It had a PS2 expansion that was whatever <laughs> and then um on top of that a lot of people don't know that there was actually going to be a dreamcast port which was going to have blue shift and a second disc that would have had all of their other mods i can't believe that, that never came about yeah i mean i can because the the dreamcast flopped as big mm-hmm. as it did but it would have been neat to have seen that and it was going to be google like it had you know that's where the hd pack came from was from the dreamcast mm-hmm. port when that failed and they decided just to put blue shift on pc that's when the hd pack came out and then um, that's when a guy actually, I, I was telling you this earlier, a guy had it ripped out the uh, Dreamcast ISO, mm-hmm. rebuilt it on the Half-Life engine, and so you can play it on PC, and it looks amazing. So, yeah, this, I love this game, man. Like, my life, my gaming life would be so much different if I had never played Half-Life. <laughs> now I'd probably be stuck as a Halo, Call of Duty, <laughs> FPS bro, you know. So let's talk a little bit about some of the stuff that we just got done streaming. The extras on the PS2 disc. Oh, this is <laughs> this is where the podcast gets negative. Okay, so 
One thing that comes in the PS2 version of Half-Life is the expansion pack Decay, which you play as Dr. Green and Dr. Cross. Which is kind of like a, an extra story mm-hmm. set. Yeah, and that's kind of like what um, Blue Shift and Opposing Force are. Yeah. Um, only this time you're actually more, you're actually involved with the experiment. And in the Decay, you play these two doctors who um, prepare the experiment for Gordon. When it all goes wrong, their goal is to get Dr. Rosenberg to the surface so um, they can all escape. Now, from what we played, we played uh, Dual Access and then um, the uh, the, haz- the Hazardous Course, which took us 15 tries to do the Hazardous Course because you would have to actually do the Hazard Course to open the doors. You had to try jumping through goo that would kill you pretty much instantly. Yeah. And then just, you know, all the monsters and all the tricks because there's, there's also this one hall with four to five centuries on the ceiling that we didn't know how to shut off. We would just run <laughs> through and jump. I hated it. it. It was a lot of trial and error on this one, too. Was- and that's how the whole game that I've... <laughs> this whole game has been that way. You know, we, we played that... What was it? The second or third chapter? Yeah. Over and over and over again mm. until eventually we beat it. That's how I've been playing this entire yeah. game. It's been that way. Like, I would get through a very small section, finally get through a very small section, save it, and then I have to start over again. And yeah. it's trial and error, trial and error. That's... Eventually I'll figure it out. And the worst thing with the K is there's no such thing as checkpoints. Or quick saves. Yeah. If you die, if one person dies, start all over or again. Rosenberg dies, you have to start from the beginning of the chapter. And that Which was made it a lot of fun when you wanted to just kill somebody. Yeah. Kill as soon as we started, we would and... just kill Rosenberg. And then <laughs> it made you feel better about your life. We had the head-to-head um, section <laughs> where head you head. pretty much conquered. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think I killed you, what, like four times Something total? Like that. I don't know. Head-to-head. Head to head is basically the dumbed down one v one version of just Half Life Deathmatch. Yeah, and it the maps are much shorter, the guns are there, but it was it was like hard to like look at, especially when you're playing someone on a PC versus you know someone on a controller. Yeah, it was harder to play, and it it just felt like wrong. <laughs> it was it was hard, and it was like. You know, it was kind of like cheating because in in Half Life Deathmatch, you know, the guns are more hard to find, so you're basically just stuck with your pistol and um, your crowbar and then um, your bow, which is what you spawn in with. Well, in this game, you only get your your crowbar and your pistol, and then you have to look for oh, everything. and everything is abundant. I yeah, mean, and you, once you once just walk around a little bit and you're just collecting stuff yeah, like when, crazy. Once you get something too, like either way, if you kill someone, all the stuff drops. So you'd have it. So, like for me, I would kill, I would kill you, and then it would, I'd have all the guns, and I'd have, inf- like you know, I'd have max ammo, but I only use, you know, like the shotgun, right, yeah. or like the, or the RPG, which I admit was unfair because that, <laughs> that game, that gun just should not, should not be in multiplayer because yeah. it's too easy, especially with the laser like directing missile, yeah. you can't really escape from it. I mean, if you're playing the PS2 version, it's really easy to escape it. But if you're playing the PC version, with it was still who, it was still kind of fun. I mean, fun. I enjoyed just being able to play two player more than anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, just to have both of us, you know, running around and doing stuff that made it fun. I was saying while we were playing, I would have liked that all of Half Life just been a two player game. Like mm-hmm. that would have been fun just yeah. to run around some of these worlds together and mm-hmm. you know help kill enemies and yeah. you know. Well, actually, fun. that's that's funny you should ask. If you have um, Half-Life on your Steam, there is a game on Steam called Sven Co-op, which is the Half-Life 1 story co-op. Really? Yes. Um, huh. It's the same thing with Half-Life 2. Half-Life 2, there's a game called Synergy, which is Half-Life 2 co-op. 
Interesting. That's so cool. that that would have been interesting to to play. Yeah. To play like just you do that because then you know I could have like babysat you <laughs> across the way. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. I enjoyed playing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Half Life. It was it was fun. Yeah. I mean. As many negative things as I said about it, it, it still was an overall a fun game. Yeah, it's, um, I I just I'm not a shooter guy. I'm not a shooter game yeah, guy. I noticed, but and that's that's what made this fun was because it, it took was, me it out of my new. element. Yeah, you know, and it, it goes back to the very first episode zero zero zero. Yeah, I know. It's like oh god, I don't know. I, I just, crossed the line at like Call of Duty. It's like oh here we go. Like this is the first <laughs> time. It's like I really, I really do. I and I was sincere when I said that in that episode mm-hmm. that I wanted to play more things that are outside of my comfort zone. Right. And this was definitely that. It it wasn't a game that I would normally pick up. I do enjoy these games, and I had a lot more fun once I finally figured out what I was doing and how to play. I legitimately had a lot of fun playing, mm-hmm. uh, but there was a, a handful of setbacks that made it more frustrating than it should have been. I was still having fun, but I was having fun while I was frustrated. Yeah. So, I mean, not a bad game. My total score was a 35 out of 50, and yours was what? Mine was a 46 out of 46. So that gives us an 81 out of 100. So that's a good B. Yeah. I, I think that's, that's about right. Uh, yeah. You know, we were both playing the PC version. Things might have been different. I like, probably graphics would, would probably be a little higher. Graphics maybe. would have been a Music little bit higher. Music little, would have been a little yeah. bit higher. Probably my overall would have been a little mm-hmm. bit higher. So I mean, we might have been able to bump it up. Uh, you know, maybe another ten points to yeah. bring it up to an A, maybe. But uh, I don't know. I think a B is a fair score, mm-hmm. at least from my experience of playing yeah. it. I I haven't played it more than once. <laughs> so I mean, just playing it, playing it one through, playing it blind, and playing the stupid PS2 version, which I suggest no one do. Yeah, and you know that this game, that this is just gonna sit on your probably shelf and just. Oh yeah, I'll, I'll never, I'll probably never play it again. Oh well. But I'm, I might pick it up and play through the rest of Decay just to see what it is. But yeah. I'm not like super interested in it, mm-hmm. so yeah. I would be more interested in playing uh, Half Life Two eventually. Oh yeah. Oh man, Half Life Two, you're gonna like. And the thing was, now we didn't mention this already, but um, what time did you get for Half Life? Like how much time did it take? Oh, you know, I didn't actually calculate it. Okay. Well, um, I'll, I'll do that. You talk. Okay. Since I've played Half Life and Half Life Two so much, I've kind of learned where enemies are gonna be and where everything is gonna you know pop up so i can just kind of get through this and i don't even have to kill anything right so like playing half-life 2 people who know half-life 2 i can get from i can get from point insertion to black mesa east in probably 30 minutes wow and that's five chapters i can get from ravenholm to um nova prospect in probably another 45 and that's just because i've been playing this game since the xbox version of half-life 2 pretty much came out yeah and yes i am very i unfortunately that was the first time i played half-life 2's xbox but the actual xbox version of half-life 2 is much better than the half-life version of P- um, the ps2 all right so i played about 18 hours <laughs> i was actually i was expecting to play it for maybe 12 so mm-hmm. 18 is about accurate yeah. for what i was expecting to play what, i what'd you do I had two hours, fifty nine minutes, and forty nine seconds. Jeez, man, what were you speed running it? <laughs> well, you've played it before. Well, okay, this I'll just like say this. you were saying. I, I'll just say this. I got from let's just say I got from Black Mesa Inbound, which was you know the train ride to 
um, blast pit in 30 minutes. And I had to pace myself out. Once I got to an hour and I was already on a, like on a rail, I was like, okay, I should probably like take a break. <laughs> so when I picked it back up, I went from you know on a rail to to the first Zen chapter. And then I played the last couple of Zen chapters, which took me like another 30 minutes. And I added, and I looked at it like two hours, like almost three hours. I'm like, geez, like I have to look up what the record is. And the record's like an hour and a half. Yeah. I'm like, how can you do that? Like, that's impossible. <laughs> and that's people like, you know, doing specific tricks. I wasn't doing specific tricks. I was playing the game. I just know where things are like, right. where things well, are spawning. If I were to play it again, I would definitely be able to get through it a lot faster. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, now I know what weapons to use on what enemies. I know where I'm going. I know most of the puzzles now. Mm -hmm. I would be able to probably successfully beat the final boss really fast. Oh, yeah. You know, little things that you, you learn while you're playing it. But for the first time through... I think 18 hours was about right. I yeah. mean, it's you got to factor in the learning curve. Mm -hmm. You got to factor in that you actually have to figure out the puzzles mm -hmm. and you actually have to figure out what enemies, you know, are susceptible to what. Oh yeah. So and I mean, it's it's, it's all part of the process. Yeah, huge learning curve at this game and uh, you know, people going like from Half-Life 2 to Half-Life 1 may be confused because their first thing's going to be Oh, where's the gravity gun? Oh, yeah. where's the striders? And everything. It's like, you no, know, Half-Life 1 is... It could be its own game, really. You know, I really see the comparison from what little bit of I've played of Portal. I see a comparison between Half-Life and Portal. Yeah. Like, I see how... I mean, it really could be the same universe, really. It is the same universe. Oh, is it? Yeah, same universe. The first Portal takes place... In between Half Life and Half Life Two, so while the while the combine, which when you play Half Life Two, you find out what the combine is. Right. While they're invading Earth, that's when Portal's taking place, and you can you can see glimpses in Portal where they talk about the Black Mesa research facility. Huh. And it's like, oh snap! Portal Two is complete. That's like thirty thousand years after. Oh, I see. Yeah. So. Well, I really want to play Portal also. Oh yeah. So eventually that'll be, but that's more just a puzzle game, isn't it? It's more just so yeah. Than a, it's just a puzzle, and the story comes in the, the the dialogue. You have to really listen to what Gladys is saying, right? Because you pick up on her, like you know, kind of going, you know, insane. Um, Portal Two is just all story. I mean, the puzzles are there. The puzzles are amazing, but Portal Two really digs in yeah. to the story. I kind of like what Half Life Two is. Half Life One. The story was, you know, you had to find it. Um, Half-Life 2, you had, like, you know, the story was, it was told to you because you had to stay in a room with a person and talk to them. Yeah. Uh, Half-Life 2 was more focused on the new the new source engine, the new gameplay, yeah, yeah. and what would eventually become. And that makes sense. Yeah. That's that's a that's a very common evolution to a game series. Mm -hmm. So, uh, did you have fun? Absolutely. This is great, man. Thanks for being on the show with Absolutely, me, Absolutely, man. man. This is so, um, next month... Actually, through July, we're going to be playing Mario 64 for the 64, Ooh. and um, I got another buddy of mine lined up to play that, so I'm super excited to do some, some more Mario. We've already played, like, Mario World 1 and yeah, Super Mario, Mario Bros. 3, mm -hmm. so, I mean, this is a, a nice... We've done the, the Nintendo era, we've done a Super Nintendo era, so mm -hmm. now we're jumping to the 64 era. So My question kind of is for you guys, when are you guys going to do Final Fantasy 2? Great question. <laughs> Great question that I cannot answer. I don't know what to tell you. Oh. Soon. Hopefully soon. Kaylee's uh, just starting to get back into wanting to play some games. Uh, we have a 
pretty solid tentative schedule coming up mm-hmm. where we're going to play um, for sure another RPG very soon. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to tell you which one yet, yep. but uh, it will be not a Final Fantasy game. <laughs> I think I think Final Fantasy 1 broke Kaylee. Oh, yeah. I was, I was listening to it last <laughs> night. And I'm like, wow, she was really upset. She hated the game. <laughs> and don't get me wrong. It was an awful game. But Final Fantasy 2 is significantly better. And yeah. I hope that Kaylee will be more interested <laughs> in playing it very soon. But, oh, yeah, I think, I think Final Fantasy 1 might have broke her interest <laughs> in it a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I still got 14 more to play. Oh, I know. <laughs> or, yeah, I'm if, not, or I guess um, 12, if you're not, including the, <laughs> the online. I'm, I'm not... I'm not in any hurry. I've got plenty of time to play these games. Four years from now, we'll be picking up Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> <laughs> Four years from now, we'll be playing Final Fantasy III. <gasps> um, lastly, I wanted to talk about, uh, we had our Facebook contest. Uh, thanks for everybody who entered in. And um, the winner is Dakota. I'm not going to say your last name just for you know privacy reasons. But um, I will be sending you a message on Facebook and uh, look forward to seeing that. We will be back next month for uh, an episode of Mario 64. So thanks again, Evan, for being on the show. Thanks for having and me. And hopefully we'll be playing some Half-Life 2 here, you know, within the next year or so at yeah. least. And uh, yeah, thanks everybody for listening. And we will catch you guys next month. <laughs>